Welcome to the FGS Show. I'm your host, Eris Domingo, and joining me today is multi-medalist and Team Canada para hockey member, Tyler McGregor. Welcome to the show, Tyler, and thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Awesome. Maybe you want to start a little bit of background about yourself. You said in a feature recently that hockey was your first love and that you picked it up at 18 months old. And perhaps we can take us through that and, and just, you know, what, what hockey means to you and, and, and what, you know, what forest uh, you're, you're out of forest Ontario. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I live in Toronto, yeah. but I, I grew up in, in forest Ontario and for, for any listeners uh, who don't know where that is, it's in Southwestern Ontario, um, right off Lake Huron. So um, kind of in, buried in between Sarnia and London and, and it's a very small town. And, and yeah, as you, as you mentioned, I, I picked up hockey at, at about 18 months, at least I got into my first pair of skates at that age, which is, quite young but I, I was fortunate to first and foremost grow up about 400 meters from our local rink um, it was the only rink in town um, one of those old really cold arenas um, and, and so I was I was lucky to grow up very close to that where I could you know walk down the street with with my parents and, and go watch local teams playing and and then you know obviously as a as a young kid um, when I was about 18 months, my dad, that's the, probably the first time my dad started building a rink in our backyard. And, and so, uh, you know, to, to my knowledge, that's kind of where I, I first started. And, and yeah, I mean, initially, obviously at 18 months, you're just learning to skate, but you know, as the, the years went on, as I, as I turned three, four, five, um, and really started to pick it up and learn how to skate and learn how to to hold a stick and handle a puck. Um, I fell in love with, you know, the, the, the purity of hockey and the, the skill and the speed that it involves. And, and so I really initially that's, that's where that love stemmed from. And then as you progress and as you get older, uh, you start to meet your, you know, your friendships are created through, through sport. And, and in my case, that was hockey. And, and so the rink was a, a place for me to go and hang out with my friends and have fun with them and, and, you know, challenge myself to, to kind of, you know, get better at, at this sport that I, that I really enjoyed playing. And then, you know, that even progresses and, and flourishes into something more where, where now, you know, as a teenager and, and now as an adult, it, you know, I still love those same things. I still love being a part of a team, but now it's, it's something to, you know, it offers me a sense of purpose and offers me um, goals to set and and try to to accomplish and and um, and it and so many things. You know, and and like in addition to all those friendships, like I think I think sport is just such an incredible vehicle for building life skills um, and and learning about about life and um, and you know, in addition to to just playing and competing I think that's probably the most important and I think that's why we cherish sport um at all levels in in our country and around the world yeah I know that's I mean absolutely as a as a as an athlete as well you know it, it's the sort of the building blocks of everything I think it, it builds character it builds to your point a lot of the life skills that you need growing mm -hmm. up and you know uh, later on in life as you grow up you, you get to pick up all these these good habits um and some bad habits maybe yeah but um <laughs> But generally, you kind of figure it out as you grow into the sport, you or in, in any of the sports that you do, you, you know, you see the goal setting and the achievements of hard work and, and all of that. And, 
and the prize at the end or, or that medal at the end. Now, did you play any other sports or did you only play hockey? I did. I actually played, especially as a young kid, I played pretty much everything. Um, you know, I was not throughout my entire childhood, but I played soccer for many years. Um, I, I ran, you know, I loved track and field, cross country, um, doing competing in those sports at school. Uh, I played basketball recreationally, baseball, and my my primary summer sport was was always golf. Um, I was a, a pretty competitive golfer up until um, probably about 15, 16, and I still play. But, um, you know, at that time, for me, it was kind of like a, a toss-up between, you know, all of a sudden I was, uh, you know, playing on spring hockey teams, and I'd have to miss golf tournaments if I wanted to go play in a spring hockey tournament or go to practice. And and it was really this um, interesting dynamic where I had to decide where I wanted to go. And ultimately, I, I chose chose hockey, and that's kind of the path that I followed. But, no, golf's always been a, a major passion of mine. But um, I pretty much, especially in my, my early adolescent years, played almost every sport that I, that I could. And, uh, and I feel fortunate that, that my, you know, I, was, I was able to do that. I had lots of great friends that were very active as well and, and, and obviously supportive parents that, that allowed me to, to play in those sports and, and get me to different games or, or whatever it may be. Right. No, I mean, and, and, you know, I, I kind of casually play golf and when I, I say beer golf, you know, you just kind of go out with your friends and just have beer every Tuesday right yeah. on the golf course. But Hey, you know, a lot of them are hockey players, you know, mm -hmm. and so it, because it, it transfers, right? Like the, yeah. well, the seasons, the seasons almost line up perfectly, especially now where um, our season, it differs year to year a little bit, but I mean, this year we're going to be done in, in mid March. So, I mean, I'm probably going to have to chase the golf a little bit <laughs> that early, but um, no, the hockey season usually ends right around spring, right around when, when courses start to, to open and, and then you get a, you know, like full spring and summer being able to, to be out on the course. So they, they align very well, which is nice. And, and just as you said, I'm more, you know, I'm not much of a competitive golfer anymore. I'm more of a, you know, just, just go out and enjoy around with, with friends and, and, uh, and just kind of, kind of enjoy it that way. But yeah you know just go out there and have fun swing a yeah. few and you're like have a few beers and you're kind of like all right that's good you know exactly. yeah yeah <laughs> now it, so, so sorry, sorry go ahead. i was no i was just gonna add like it also is one of the most challenging sports there is so you know it's sometimes it can be a little hard a little frustrating um but yeah the beers definitely take the edge off a little bit <laughs> make sure, make sure you, you can enjoy it for sure but the 14 16 hole 14 15 16 hole you're like you know what i'm good now yeah you know? <laughs> um and then um you switch to uh pair ice hockey and maybe even explain that before we, we get to that is so you had your your education at 15 earlier like really early on in your teens so maybe perhaps um before we we go into pair ice hockey or pair hockey i it's been called many different times in yeah. in, in in how I know it, so maybe we'll, we could break that down. But um, explain to us how you ended up playing pair uh, pair hockey for Team Canada. Yeah. So I was actually at, at 15 years old. I actually like even before then, um, pretty early in my hockey career, I I transitioned to playing AAA hockey. So I was playing at a pretty high level. Um, and when I was 15, um, that was my OHL draft year. Uh, and so 
I was excited about the, that opportunity to hopefully take the next step in my hockey career. And um, I was actually, um, our team was playing at a tournament in Scarborough um, in September of 2009. And I ended up breaking my leg in the first first game of, of that tournament, which ended up being our first game of the season. Um, and, and so I broke my tibia and fibula in the second period, a very innocent collision. And, and just to kind of take it back about two weeks earlier in that I was experiencing a lot of shin splints in my leg. And, and, but, you know, just as we talked about earlier, I was playing pretty much every sport. So at that time, um, I was running a lot of cross country because it was, you know, the beginning of the fall and that's kind of how the season aligns in, in the school season. And so I just kind of thought it was shin splints and um, just, just a bit of overtraining injury. Um, and, you know, unfortunately that led to a, a tibia and fibula um, fracture. Um, and so I went to a hospital obviously immediately after and had surgery to repair that. Um, and, you know, started recovering very well. I was walking within three to four weeks. I was actually skating probably six, six to eight weeks post-op. Um, and so everything was going really well. Um, I was feeling healthy again. Um, and as this was all going on, I started to develop a, a lump um, or a mass just below my left knee, um, basically right on the site of the original fracture. And, you know, I, I was a young, healthy kid. And so the alarm bells never went off for, for anyone until a few months down the line, um, when in January, um, so about four months later, I, I was going in for my final final checkup, seeing my, my um, orthopedic surgeon, having my x-rays and, and hopefully getting cleared to play ready to, to compete in, which would have been our first round of playoffs. And um, the my x-ray showed about two inches of my bone was missing. And so um, that titanium rod they'd inserted it um, a few months prior was kind of the only thing offering my leg support at that time. Uh, and it was, you know, good enough support that I was able to skate on um, with with minor to moderate pain. But, um, you know, I was still in, still in great shape and, and ready to ready to play, ready to get cleared. Um, and then, you know, obviously when they, when they saw that, they, they thought, okay, something's really, really wrong. And, and, you know, we have to take a closer look at this. Um, and so I was scheduled for uh, an emergency biopsy the next day and diagnosed with spindle cell sarcoma. Uh, so a form of bone cancer that's very similar to, to osteosarcoma, which is what Terry Fox had. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I underwent many, many additional tests um, in the, the coming week to two weeks. And, uh, you know, fortunately, because my tumor had been growing for about four, four months or so, maybe even a little bit more than that, they were almost certain it spread to my lungs. And fortunately, it hadn't. And so um, at that point, I was able to kind of, or doctors were able to kind of uh, figure out the proper protocol and proper treatment um, plan for me. And uh, I started an eight month chemotherapy protocol. Um, and just kind of as a result of, of having surgery and having that tumor um, grow kind of around the titanium rod they'd inserted, um, my cancer had spread throughout my tibia. And, and so that was the ultimate um, determining factor in, in having an amputation. I mean, I, I think with modern medicine now, um, they, you know, they're pretty typically able to, to save a lot of limbs. Um, and so for me, 
um, that wasn't an option. And, uh, you know, I, I had an incredible doctor from Mount Sinai Hospital, Dr. Peter Ferguson, who said, you know, Tyler, in, in order to save your life, we have to amputate your leg. And but initially, like, obviously, you, you know, as with you, I'm sure you can relate. Like, that was such a, especially being an athlete, that was such a devastating um, thing to hear. And it was, it was heartbreaking and, and, you know, led to an emotional few months ahead. But ultimately, it gave me the opportunity to, to regain my health. And, uh, and then, you know, fast forward to when I finished my chemotherapy protocol in October of 2000, 2010, um, I knew I wanted to play hockey right away. And, and so that was always in the back of my mind. I knew I wanted to get back on skates. Um, I, I, you know, I thought I'd still be able to, I had no, no previous knowledge of, uh, you know, what using a prosthetic leg would be like. And so before I even got my leg, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to still play in the NHL. Um, and so I, I began to learn to skate again and I still can obviously not to the same uh, ability as before. Um, but for me, I, I've always kind of been in love and, and craved high performance sport and, and trying to, to be the best at what I do um, and the best version of myself in, in that in that sense and so um that that transition to para hockey really came as a result of that where i wanted i wanted to challenge myself to you know to to reach the pinnacle of of my sport and so um it was actually a former coach of mine who who said hey you should go try this out and you know i'm i'm very fortunate that 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 kind of led led me down this this path and um that's kind of how how I came to discover para hockey and, um, and, you know, I ended up starting in 2011 and I've been playing ever since. And, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that, that I've been able to find this, this sport and, and go down this path. Oh, that's good. So what, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I want to go back to, to a few things when, you, you know, at 15 to, to hear that and you're saying, you know, you're, you know, we're going to have to lose your, your limb to, to, to save your life what were you know other than obviously we all go through that grieving process of oh no not you know how is this happening I'm you know I'm a young person I'm supposed to be playing hockey now and and all of that like in hindsight like what what sort of things do you remember to you know that was going through your head and you know and, and how you dealt with that I guess yeah I was scared of I was scared of a lot of things um I think especially as a teenager I, I almost tied my entire identity to, to being a, a hockey player and to, you know, that's, that's who I was. That's who I was with in my friend group and at school um, within my team. And, and so that was kind of initially stripped away. And I, I was, I was very fearful of, of transitioning back into life. Um, out, you know, outside the hospital, I obviously took some time off school. And so um I was very nervous and scared to to go back to school. I didn't know if I'd be be viewed the same way if you know if I'd able be able to to maintain those friendships. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, you kind of, you know, as as everything's going on when I when I really first you know actually had the amputation and um, and went into to Parkwood Hospital in London to do my rehab and learned how difficult you know, it was going to be to, to navigate life with a prosthetic leg. Um, 
I, I was, you know, I was fearful of, of other things. I was all of a sudden a 16 year old kid thinking about, you know, whether or not I'm ever going to find a wife or, or be able to like take care of my kids um, and do day to day things. And, you know, obviously like that was a, a those are initial thoughts that that are going on and and things you kind of um, quickly learn as you, as you start to, you know, to build your life back that, that are, um, you know, they're just thoughts. Um, And so I think, you know, what really helped me kind of navigate those times where obviously my family and, and, and some of those friendships that, that I was scared to lose, um, you know, relying on those people to, to, for, for their support was, was important to me. Um, I also had incredible doctors and nurses and, and everybody at the rehab hospital. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll give one example. Um, my orth, one of my, one of the resident doctors, um, he's an orthopedic oncologist. He was a resident doctor at Mount Sinai at that time. Um, he was, uh, he was, also a cancer survivor also had his lost his leg above the knee to to cancer relapsed seven times and so that was such an incredible resource that that i was able to to use in conversations that i was able to have with with someone who'd been through it um you know he's married with kids um went on to to become a a doctor and and kind of save people's lives in in the same position that that he was in and and you know, that, that's just one example. There are so many other people um, who'd been through differing but similar circumstances to, to myself that there were just um, examples and resources that, that I was able to use to say, like, okay, you know, life's, life's going to be fine. I'm going to put the pieces back together, um, you know, however fast or slow that happens. But um, I was able to just rely on, on those resources to as examples of of what what's possible i i think it's it's you know um really i think part of you know or or a really good tool to have um when you're going through this journey is is having that resource and to your point it's very important because Mm -hmm. you as a young child you know as a teenager you're like to your point and they're legitimate questions not just to to somebody who's a teen but somebody who's going through it's like how you know am i going to be treated differently just because of the, the way i look now Mm-hmm. Um, my life has always been hockey and it's pulled from under me all of a sudden, not yeah. knowing the other side of that. Obviously, you've found the other side of that that you can still continue playing hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have that resource to say, you're going to be just fine. I mean, you know, it's such a general thing to say, you're going to be just fine. But you never really know, right? Mm-hmm. Until you also make a mental commitment to yourself and say, oh, I'm I'm understanding all of this and, exactly. and I'm open to all of those ideas and and I can try this out for myself. Mm-hmm. Right, so I think I think that's really important. Now, speaking about trying for yourself, so when you then got on, uh, uh, so what's the the official term? Uh, is it pair ice hockey? Is it pair hockey? Is it sledge hockey? Like, what yeah. is it? Maybe we'll so, get that out first. So, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist, and it you know the the sport originated being called sledge hockey, and and so I find myself often referring to it as that. Um, within the Paralympic movement they they kind of renamed a lot of sports i think it was three or four years ago um to try and create a little bit more alignment between all of them and so they renamed it para hockey um and along with you know like para snowboard para skiing um just to and 
parrot curling um, just to right. kind of create a little bit more alignment. Uh, so para hockey technically is the, the correct term at this point in time. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying, trying my best lately to, to refer to it as that, but it's, it's difficult when, you know, after, after. It just rolls off your tongue, right? You, yeah. I, I'm similar to you in that I always find myself saying, you know, oh, you know, sledge hockey. And yeah. some people look at me funny going, what? Yeah. I was like, oh, pair ice hockey. Oh, no, pair, pair hockey. Pair, yeah. it's, it's pair hockey now, right? So, yeah. so I guess the more technical term these days would be pair hockey. Yeah. So, for, so you know, were you trying pair hockey in, in Forest, Ontario? Or you, you spoke about London, and did you find a team right away? Like, how did that yeah. sort of, you so, know? So I, um, I, I began in London. And so when I, when I started, actually, um, the London team was with within my area, actually, at least um, by far the most established program. And Sarnia had a program at the time, um, but at that time, I think their their registration numbers were very low, um, and so I, I don't even know if they were were fielding a team. And so that I, I was put in touch with with everyone in in London within that organization. Um, and that's the, the other incredible thing about para hockey and, um, and honestly, like about, about para sport right now in general, um, and hopefully we can continue to build in the future. But when I first went out for practice, I obviously didn't have access to my own sled, um, my own stick, um, none of the equipment other than protective gear that, that, you know, obviously I had from playing hockey, um, previously, but, um, so for my first ice time, they, they provided the, the sled, all the, all the sticks, the equipment, and they said, Hey, no rush, like use this as long as, as long as you need. Um, and, and I just thought like, you know, that, that was so valuable to, and is so valuable to, you know, creating accessibility for, for whoever wants to come try. And, you know, I'm not the only person that, that kind of benefited from that. I, I've seen many, many young people and people of all ages who who've benefited within that from that within within para para hockey and other other para sports um in Ontario uh and I'm sure across Canada but um yeah I, I was fortunate to be provided equipment um went for my first practice in uh either September or October of, of 2011 and was very humble that how difficult and um and kind of awkward honestly that that it was to to learn to play para hockey is um unlike unlike anything i've ever tried before obviously it's the you know same rules and um syst systematically it's very similar to to stand-up hockey but um physically it's <laughs> um an extreme challenge and and very very different Right. I was going to ask you what that felt like, you know, from just, you know, physical and then emotional of like getting back on the ice. I, I've tried sledge hockey myself. I'm like, nope, not for me. Like, yeah, just, yeah. The falling onto the side and getting up, it's just not, nope, not going to happen. Yeah. Like, it's, well, just, it's, it's so, not me, right? Yeah. And it's such different muscle groups than most, you know, sports kind of require. And so that was a major adjustment for me. Uh, and you know, just the physical skill set that it requires where you kind of have to do everything with your, with your arms or your hands. 
Um, you know, you have to skate with your with your arms while handling a puck, while you know shooting and and passing, all with your hands and all with your upper body. And then you know the balance component of it requires a lot of core strength and and a lot of stability. And so, you know, for someone who who kind of transitioned from being able to to skate with my legs while you know using my my arms and my hands to to control a puck and to shoot a puck um doing all that with with my upper body now was was very strange but and and honestly like you know you you mentioned the the mental challenge of it it was it was frustrating because um i thought the transition would be would be kind of seamless um you know just coming from a high hockey background i you know i i was once good at this sport and now i was uh all of a sudden starting from scratch and so that was that was a little bit frustrating early on um but but there was a lot of a lot of similarities where you know i i had the the technique of of shooting a puck um i knew how to stick handle a puck and so those little things were were transferable um and and i was able to to transfer some of those skills but it was just a matter of of building building capacity in in other areas and um and you know i mentioned earlier like one of my favorite parts about about you know starting this this new path was that it offered me a challenge to to really like challenge myself both physically mentally and emotionally to to try and be the best at the best i could be at the, at this sport and and it really really did challenge me at times and and really still does Right. And so after, you know, just from the emotional one, after you got over the whole physical, because sometimes we get distracted by that. Like I got to go, you know, now I've got to balance myself and sit on this and play. And I still know the game, you know, I still know the plays, all of that. Now I figured out the arms and, 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 and how to maneuver around, you know, the rink with, with the, um, with the sledge. When did it click in for you? Like emotionally and say, this feels great. Like this is, this is, you know, like, and what did that feel like? Yeah. I think for me, it was probably, probably about three or four months after I started where, um, if that even, uh, where you kind of, you, you get more comfortable in a sled and, and then, you know, there comes a time where you kind of feel one with it and it just feels natural. Um, and so at that point, I think, I was just very grateful to to be able to play play hockey again and be on the ice and emotionally that was important for me. I was in I was in grade 11 at that time and it it was it was a weird time in my my de- my de- emotional and social development I guess and so this really uh it was an important part of of my development where um you know finally I was able to to have something that that I or I, I, you know, I, I refound and rediscovered this thing that I've always been, been so passionate about. And, um, and yeah, I, I remember, you know, if there's one, one moment I can maybe pinpoint, um, it was my first time with the development team, uh, the national development team. We were, we played two games against the, the U S development team in Amherstburg. Um, and you know, it was, it was awesome because it was close enough where I could have family, family and friends there. And, um, and then, you know, I was my first time putting on a Team Canada jersey. Um, and I was just kind of blown away, like, 
like wow how how all of a sudden did did i just like did a switch just flip where you know now i'm here and and still still doing what i love albeit you know in a different um under a different circumstance than i than i predicted or than i would have ever thought but yeah it was uh was, i would say so i, I was going to ask so that's that moment i guess where you kind of see I still get to wear the Team Canada uniform. I still get to represent my country. I still get to represent Canada in the sport that I started with differently, but in a, to your point, in, in a different way now. But I, I still get to hear the national anthem, and I'm representing that that anthem in a sports arena, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and that that goal of becoming that elite athlete is there. Would you say it was at that moment too when you realized this is you know, to your point about flipping the switch, like, this is it, like, yeah. I can do this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think at that point is when I I really started to realize it's within the, the realm of possibility, because, um, you know, I, I think early on, um, I was, especially the first few months, I was really just learning about the sport, um, and, you know, I was, I, even the, the Vancouver Paralympics, um, when they were on, on home soil, I, I'd only saw bits and pieces. And so, you know, when I started out, not only was I learning the sport, but I was, I was learning about its history. I was learning about the national team. Um, I was, you know, looking up my, who would become my future teammates um, and, and just kind of, you know, seeing where it's been, where it is now, where, it, where it could go. And so, yeah, I mean, I, all at all at once, like in, in that same time frame, finally I was kind of like, you know, all of a sudden I'm I'm at the this development team um, camp or or two game three game series I think it was either two or three, um, and you know all of a sudden I'm there and it's suddenly within reach. So uh, that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Now before I get because I wanted to get into you know you know what your recommendations would be for for those who are starting out just sort of a disclaimer although you did say you know you started grade eleven you got to remember Paul Rosen everybody started at his forties and he still medaled I believe three times yeah. um, or twice so yeah. never too late to start any any yeah. sport you know exactly. um, Paul Rosen is a great example of that so for for anyone who's going into to sledge hockey I see in that rolled off again to to pair hockey you know what would your recommendation be for those who, you know, we're starting out now. It's like, what's the journey to make it to the, to the team, to, to get to the development team and then make the team Canada. Well, I, I think the, the one benefit now is there's, I mean, I, I know obviously COVID's kind of <laughs> affected this, but there is more and more programs, whether that's um, different organizations that, that run, run club teams or, or whether it's you know different organizations around around the province or around the country that that offer sledge hockey as a, a recreational program, there's more opportunity to to get involved in the sport. And you know I've I've worked um, closely with a, a nonprofit called All, All Sports All People that really tries to do that and introduce different para sports to um, people around kind of around the GTA and Simcoe County and um, and so I think that that's one benefit. The oppor- there's an opportunity to to find uh, a sled and and the proper equipment um, through that. Um, and then I, I think you know really it it does start a lot with I think you know with anything like 
the best the best way to to become a a good hockey player is to play hockey um and you know i think you know the the journey to the national team i think obviously starts with first and foremost just having a a, a deep passion for for what you do um and you know loving the game and uh and then you know just as i said like I think getting ice time is important, which I understand there's a lot of barriers to that and ice time can be expensive. Um, but, uh, but there's other ways to, to kind of work on your skills. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I did when I was young is, or when I was first starting is just like, I would sit in my sled in my basement, not even on ice and just, you know, play around with a, a puck or a ball and, um, and kind of familiarize myself as much as possible. Um, and then, I think, you know, there's obviously different um, components to, to training and to preparation, obviously nutrition, hydration, sleep are important. And so um, I think learning about those things is, is important. And then, um, you know, obviously the off-ice aspect and, uh, and, you know, strength training and cardio um, are, are extremely important in, in developing yourself as an athlete. And um, the one thing that I think is, um, you know, a secret weapon, um, actually not, not so secret, uh, is, is the mental aspect of sport and, and mental performance training is something that, that I probably focus on now, you know, as much, if not more than anything. Um, and so that's, uh, those are just, you know, obviously things to bring attention to. And then I think, uh, you know, the path starts with just, just joining, joining a club team and, um, practicing and competing and um, trying to become the best version of yourself. And, um, you know, w within, within para hockey, we're really trying to, as we move forward through the next few years, as we try to navigate that, that time, we're trying to really develop our grassroots um, programs so that there, there really is a, a, you know, more clear path for, for anybody, you know, start who wants to start and then eventually get to the national team. But um, no, I think it, it really just comes down to like, you know, setting, setting goals and setting intention for those goals. And, um, and then taking, you know, the small steps day by day to, to get there. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the journey in a nutshell. Right now you, you brought up uh, the grassroots, you know, and the foundations and, and all of that, that, that helps locally and, and just try to get the group started and, and, and getting ice time and all of that. And, 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 and I find as I, I talk to other pair athletes and, and even in my sport, you know, it's always that um, I have to go out for myself to actually get what I, you know, what I need and what I, you know, equipment and, and everything else. And, you know, as, as pair athletes, you tend to always have to need equipment of sorts, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> there, you, need, you know, you start off with the loaner, then you have to get your own. And then if that breaks, then you have to get another one. Yeah. You know, so there's all that cost that's involved. You know, and, and, and I guess from the foundation perspective and, and, and you guys are all trying and we're all trying to also bring attention to the sport. Mm -hmm. Do you think Canada as a country is doing enough or even the province itself, the provinces themselves doing enough to sort of bring awareness to, to Paris sport, you know, and get them interested very young so that we have this development that yeah. continues all the time and always feeds the team. Like, do you think we're doing enough? Um, no, uh, but I am seeing steps in the right direction. Uh, and I will say that. And so um, I, I think I think we can we can always all do more um, to create those opportunities and to to make um, 
you know, sport more accessible for, you know, for whoever it is. But I, I you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of work to do. I think we're, I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing so many good things from so many good people um, who are trying to take those steps. But uh, I think, you know, just as an example, I, I was recently out in Calgary um, and, you know, I'll use this as an example because it's, you know, what I am surrounded with most, but um, they just opened the only the second first fully accessible rink outdoor rink in the country. Um, and, and so, you know, there's only two in the country, one's in Winnipeg and one's in Calgary. And, I, you know, I, I remember just being so, so shocked and taken aback that, that that's the reality. Um, because, you know, think of, you know, as in Ontario, for example, like, think of the wonders it would do for young kids if they could just walk across the street to their local community rink and, and there's a fully accessible rink there. Um, you know, and especially for, you know, as you mentioned, like a, a young kid with a limb difference who, who, you know, needs to, to play sled hockey or, or can't, you know, skate, um, then that rink offers them the opportunity to do that. And that's just one example that, that I've encountered recently, but, um, no, there's, you know, I, I think there's always room for improvement. There's so many, um, great organizations doing a lot of, a lot of great things. Um, and it's just a matter of, of amplifying, amplifying those, um, those voices and kind of making those more, more visible. I know, you know, Parasport Ontario does an incredible job. Um, Variety Village is, is awesome. I, um, Archie, I know Archie very well from, from Variety. Um, they do so much for, to, to create opportunities for, um, for young kids living with disabilities to get them in sport. But I think there, we really need to, to get to a point where there's a lot more alignment, um, to create more, more opportunities and, uh, more accessibility. No, I, I agree. It seems to be with every pair of sport, it's, it's always, you know, how much more, you know, how do we get more? So as the team gets older and as the players get older, mm-hmm. you know, to replace them and to, to give yeah. path to, to to new players, are you finding that with hockey as well, or para hockey? For sure, I think that's always a challenge, um, y- you know. And like we we really are, uh, we kind of run into it every every four years, where the, especially like you know within the national team, there's there's not necessarily like you know, as an example, like we always have players retire. Um, after each quad, so after each Paralympics. Um, and so, you know, you kind of have to replace those and there's not always um, the opportunity to do that. And so that's kind of right there, evidence that, that our grassroots programs need to continue to, to grow um, and to, to expand. And, um, and, you know, unfortunately, like we really started to see more programs pop up before well, fortunately, they started to pop up before before COVID started, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. that has kind of been derailed. Um, but I, I think you know, I'm I'm hopeful that as we move past this, that as and we're, a, we're able to resume, um, you know, normal activities, that that those will be able to survive, and and more people will will get in, you know, and get out and, and continue to play sport. Um, people of all ages and I think that's a one of the unique things about para hockey is or para sport is that often 
you know, people start when, when there's, you know, one, one young kid with a disability and four or five of their, you know, their family members and friends start with them so that, so that they can play with them. And then everybody falls in love with it. Um, and so, you know, I, I've been to many different communities where, who have started programs where that's been the case. Um, and, and that's exciting to see. And hopefully we, we see more of that, um, in the coming years. Uh, no, you, and, and it, it's interesting. You brought up the, the quad and uh, the every four years. So now we're faced with Beijing coming up and you're on your way to Beijing, mm-hmm. or there's this buzz that Canada may not be sending players. And so, you know, as I said, I'm not really sure who's going anymore or what is <laughs> happening in Beijing. Cause after the summer Olympics, everyone realized that wait, the Beijing or the winter Olympics is six months away from now. Yeah. No, you know, when we're used to it, wait, it's supposed to be two years from now. Yeah. But wait, it's six months away from now or eight months away from now. And so, and, and there's still very little buzz to what's really going on in the winter Olympics. So what is going on? Uh, I actually don't know everything. Uh, like share what you that, can. <laughs> that, that kind of that kind of has been the case where um you know we've been a little bit in the dark on a lot of what's going on behind the scenes um and you know it, it's crazy because the olympics start in what is it two and a half weeks maybe um and mm-hmm. so you know like uh, which i'm i'm thrilled to 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 see um but yeah, it's it's strange. We're just slowly finding out what the what the protocols um, they have in place are going to be like. Um, what the village is going to be like. Our our schedule was just announced like two days ago. Um, so we're slowly finding out all this information now. Um, we we haven't officially selected our our final roster. We're at, we're at twenty right now in terms of our team. We're at twenty, and we go down to seventeen um prior to leaving for for Beijing but um yeah like it's it's going to be an interesting games uh for sure uh, it, it has been a tr- quick transition from Tokyo to, to Beijing I know this season's been a, a little strange uh, much like last last season where um we we seem to start off normal um we were we were traveling and competing um we we're able to get a few training camps and um, and a few games, exhibition games against both the U.S. and Korea. Um, and then we haven't been together as a team since November. Um, so, right, so I was actually going to ask that, like, how, you know, as a team, I, I'm an individual athlete, so that's, the, yeah. <laughs> I can control my own training it's, yeah. in some ways. How, you know, as a team sport, like, how are you all doing that? And like, you know, in a couple of days, the, the, the conversation flipped. So yeah. how are you all as a team preparing for, for that? Yeah, so that, I mean, that's how quickly things have changed. Uh, in basically, once we, uh, yeah, well, all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, they they started to, to mention that, that it's a possibility that we're going to cancel, we're going to wipe our, our, what our proposed season schedule clean, and then we're going to change it up. We're going to Calgary so that, we can be in a controlled environment, controlled bubble environment, um, so that we don't have any positive tests. Because um, that's one thing that that we've found out um, recently is that I, I believe it's you know any any positive test within 14 days of leaving, um, you're you're not welcome in Beijing. Um, and so we 
wiped our schedule clean and they said we're gonna we're gonna go out to Calgary um, stay there for five and a half six weeks um, in a more controlled bubble environment and then uh, and then we're the whole Paralympic team is going to charter a flight um, from Vancouver over to Beijing um, and so that that all happened pretty quickly and and you know it's required a a lot of uh kind of life adjustments and trying to trying to arrange uh arrange my life and trying to plan to be away for basically two months um it definitely definitely was a little bit unexpected but um it's for sure the uh the the right choice but i mean as of as for right now and, and really all throughout the season we've had um three basically three hubs set up across the country where we have majority of our team living uh so we have montreal and then toronto which is the hub that i'm in which is probably our largest um, number of players and then another one in calgary um and we we uh work out and practice together uh every week and or well multiple times a week and uh and we've been doing that for most of the season and then you know it's been different because we really haven't had much of a game schedule so you know i mentioned earlier working um with working on mental performance and so one of the things that we really focus on is is that aspect of it where you know because we our competitive schedule is so light you kind of have to create your own narrative and and really challenge yourself to continue to to get better and to to be prepared and so you know between that and you know our our practices on ice practices and off ice workouts um that's kind of what we've been up to this year now uh, mind you i'm i'm very excited as i i'm sure you know every one of my teammates is that we we get to spend six weeks together practicing um and then go to beijing for two weeks so we'll have a total of eight weeks together where you know it's not usually like that for for a national team where you're kind of scattered all across the country so um, that, I think that kind of bodes well for us just in terms of preparation, camaraderie, um, you know, all the, all that stuff. I, I think, I think it's a really positive outcome despite the circumstances. Um, so, uh, you know, we're excited that, yeah, the, the games are fast approaching, um, and it's, it's pretty wild to, you know, now be heading into the third times now. This one will be a little bit different, but it's still exciting nonetheless. Right. So this is your third time you, you, you mentioned in the Olympics now. So what are you looking forward to the most? Other than obviously, like you are saying, you know, uh, saying with the camaraderie and, and working mm -hmm. out and, and training for eight weeks or training for six weeks and then competing for two. Like, you know, what else are you looking forward to? to... Well, I think I think what I'm looking forward to most is that I'm just very, you know, third time around, I'm just very at, at peace with, you know, in my first two times, like it's such this big spectacle that you, you do kind of get overwhelmed. At least I, I found myself um, at times being overwhelmed and, um, you know, between opening ceremony and, and watching all these other events and, um, you know, visiting family that's there, um, enjoying the village there's just so much going on that it, it it was kind of in a way a little bit of a distraction and so I'm just very at peace at this point in my career with showing up and being ready to play 
and and not hearing any outside noise um and just i'm just excited to to you know i i feel so much more mentally strong and, and mentally aware at this point in my life and i don't know if that's just through through into the, like intentional effort or just maturity but um I, I feel very focused and and i you know i i think what i'm looking forward to most is just being being present in that environment and just you know going out and competing and putting our best effort forward um and you know i i'm completely confident that all that'll have positive results um for our team yeah i know i i'm hearing a bit of, or i've heard a bit a bit of of you know one or the other you know i i have heard the overwhelming you know oh you you party on opening night and and then you can't concentrate on your own day because your competition day because you have all these like friends hanging out or other pair athletes you haven't seen in for the last four years mm-hmm. or you haven't seen in like you know since last competition and then you're also meeting all the other team canada members and you want to get yeah. to know them you want to hang out but you know so you kind of but then come game day and you have you have to put your game face on and you know yeah. and 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 then there are those that um that were thankful of how tokyo happened in that there's no one in the stands at all and just you got to play on and concentrate but it's like but we also wanted the cheers because that pushes us forward so yeah. you know I there's know. there's that yin and yang and, and it's so it's like for you it's like to your point though it's like you're at peace now which is great i think for any for any athlete who gets to be like i'm i'm i know myself now i'm yeah. you know i've gone through my inner struggles and now i'm i'm here to play the game like what i guess where's that middle for you and 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 well, I, and, I, and hockey's a fast sport, and you need that cheer to. Yeah, I don't know for I, me. I will. I will say, and and especially in game, um, I'm gonna, and I I really don't know. I, I believe there will be some fans in China. I I don't know what the capacity will be like, but um, I'm an emotional, I'm an emotional person and an emotional hockey player, and so you know things like that are are actually important to me, especially you know in game. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we get to experience that a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think that's the middle ground for me. And so like what, like what you, you kind of mentioned, mentioned it a little bit with other athletes and like, you know, how it can be overwhelming. And uh, I think the thing about Beijing that uh, I'm kind of looking forward to is that we're not, we're not, we're being advised not to bring personal cell phones or laptops and so um you know i'm not i'm kind of going to shut off you know social media for for a couple weeks and and that's something that i've never really done um i'll have the ability to talk to um my family and my girlfriend and you know the people closest to me at home but um i think you know that's another another thing about being at the games is like when when you're there there's so much stuff going on back home everybody's messaging you here and there and and uh it's it can be a little bit distracting and so i'm i'm kind of you know excited to to just just be in the moment and and be there but um yeah i i think i i'm still hopeful that we're able to have some some energy in in the building and that there's fans involved because that that certainly adds to it and especially you know i i'm a i'm a huge sports fan and obviously like seeing the seeing the Raptors and the the Leafs play at home now in comparison to watching, watching them go on the road and, and watching other teams in professional sports play. Like there's just so much less energy in the building. 
um, so much less excitement. And so I think that that certainly certainly adds to to the the sport, and and I I hope we're able to have that. And, you know, just to, to close off here, what would you like um, people to learn, and especially kids who are getting into the sport? We talked about it earlier. Um, want to learn from your story and your journey? Uh, I think you know, and this isn't this isn't just from from my my own journey. It's for many people within within this world. I think there's such a, a great lesson in resilience and such a great lesson in um, in kind of creating your own path. Uh, I think. Um, and, and, you know, not, not allowing or trying to create your own opportunities within, within the world and within society. Um, I think, uh, you know, hopefully my, my story is kind of a lesson of that. And, and, um, you know, obviously dealing with heartbreaking circumstances, but, but finding a way forward and, um, and, you know, doing it your own way. Uh, I think that's, that's some, such an important lesson for, for young kids is, is to always continue to be yourself and um, and first and foremost love yourself um, so that you're you're able to do so and um, and then just you know carve your own path. Nobody's nobody's path is is the same and uh, and I think that's important to understand. Um, but yeah. Awesome. Now, where can people learn more about you? Uh, learn more about me. I'm on all social media, I guess. Um, Tyler McGregor eight is my, both my Twitter and Instagram, I believe. Um, and then I, I'm on Facebook. I could not tell you what, like my, it's just my name. Um, I believe, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, um, kind of my primary socials. Um, I, I haven't got into, I'm on TikTok, but I, I don't, I don't make anything. Uh, so there's not much to learn about me there. Um, but yeah, you can find me on all those socials and, and, uh, learn a little bit more about me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with me today. I want to thank Tyler Record for joining me today. I'll share out the links on my website at www.airstalltheBinger.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or show ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at The Andy Peter Show. Until next time, I'm your host, Airstall Domingo, and this has been The Andy Peter Show Podcast.